everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia with the latest episode of the Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network. It is powered by our good friends at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Back for another episode, the one and only Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub. You can follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. He does a tremendous job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5thesportshub.com. And my man, is going on some vacay, some very well-deserved vacay. Can tell it by the smile on your face, Alex. You can't wait till this podcast is over. Yeah, I'm like I'm one foot out the door right now, so we'll see how this goes. But yeah, that's yeah, all right. It be, uh, fun. Big plans, because <laughs> big plans because our loyal listener base wants to know. Uh, a lot of golf, a lot of sitting on the beach. That's that's just kind of back and forth between those two, and that's not a euphemism for hitting balls into the bunker. No. No right. beach when I'm on the golf course, ideally. Only beach when I'm off the golf course. I might bring a putter out onto the beach, though. Um, and you have your fingers and toes crossed that the Patriots mind their P's and Q's and the Celtics and Reds. And the Red Sox don't pull off a Xander Bogarts for Justin Verlander trade or something like that. Something along those lines. I, and, I mean, we'll get into it. The Red Sox should make a deal this weekend or, or in the very near future. We can get into that later. But uh, if they know what's good for them, they're not they're not going to wait around they're, they'll they'll spoil my vacation all right let's jump off right there alex you brought it up why do the red sox need to address their pitching staff and particularly their starting rotation well the starting rotation the bullpen all of it they just simply don't have enough pitching and the way this schedule's mapped out right now six of their next seven series are against including this one right now against toronto are in the division that takes you right up to the deadline basically you can't necessarily wait until July 29th, 30th, 30, 31st right. to add pitching because at that point, you just played the heart of your season. Your season might be over. You might not be adding for anything. So I think, you know, this this weekend, this week is shown, and we'll get into a little more, I'm sure, about what happened on Tuesday night, but they don't have time to wait. The roster is incomplete. We've already seen some deals done. Uh, I think it was the Mariners made a trade the other day. They can't. They don't have the luxury to wait and, and see how things fold and see who becomes available and if some teams fall out of the race. No, 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 no. They need pitching. They need it now. I know Garrett Whitlock's supposed to come back. Just Whitlock alone to me is not enough. I know people have pointed out Chris Sale. I, I'm not counting on Chris Sale for anything. Anything you get from him is gravy. You have to plan as if you're not going to have him because even once he does come back, is he going to be on the roster for the next whatever it is, three, four months, or is he going to be intermittent, right? They need right. more pitching. And Luis Castillo is rumored to be on the trading block. Uh, the, the, the ace for the Cincinnati Reds who won their game. Um, Castillo won this, his start against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field on Tuesday night. And uh, the New York Mets are rumored to be hot on the trail after Luis Castillo. He is the kind of picture I think that would really help the Red Sox. He loves Fenway Park. He loves Pedro Martinez. The Red Sox, to me, would be a good fit there. However, I think the Reds asking price, as it should be for a guy under control through 2023, um, is going to be very, very high. And that that last part there is kind of the rub on it, right? What are the Red Sox going to be in 2023? What is their plan? Do they still plan on being competitive in 2023? If so, I think he makes a ton of sense. They've yeah. made moves before like this with, you know, Eduardo, uh, not Eduardo Rodriguez, um, Nate Evaldi was brought in in the same way where they spent a little more because they knew they were going to need starting pitching, not just that year, but, but the following years. But if 
they know Devers is going, or if they know Bogarts is going, and they're not right. sure what's going on with Devers, well, paying for that extra year when it's going to be a rebuilding year or a tank year doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. So I wish that was their approach. I wish their approach was, hey, we're going to be good this year, and we're going to bring the guys back we should bring back, and we're going to be good next year, so this guy will help. I just don't think that's how they're looking at it, unfortunately. How do you think they're looking at it? Because I think um, the Red Sox are always built to win now. And yes, they are looking toward the future. Don't get me wrong here, Alex, and our, and our viewers and our loyal listeners. Don't get me wrong. The Red Sox always want to compete. And they have that command, you know, that, you know, commandment from down on high, uh, from up high, I should say, from John Henry uh, and Tom Warner in the ownership group and Sam Kennedy, uh, who's trying to fill seats uh, at Fenway as much as he can, as he any way he possibly can, and right through Heim Bloom. I think that's the directive. They have got to find a way each year to be competitive yet build for the future. You can't. That's how you get stuck in the middle. That's how you get stuck a wild card team who's won and done every year. That's how you become the Boston Bruins, pretty much, right? You can't necessarily always have the eye on the future without – you have to sacrifice the future to win now. You have to win now to sacrifice the future. Some teams yeah, can balance I, it well. Yeah. I think with a budget like the Red Sox have, Alex, I think you can do both. If they use the budget, if they're going to use the budget, which that's a TBD. That's always been a TBD with this ownership. Right. I, I you know, how can you realistically, if you're the Red Sox, say that you're – in on competing next year when Raphael Devers currently doesn't have a contract. I just don't know how you can say that because you're already, you're going to, you're probably going to lose Bogarts. If you lose him, those are the two middle bats in your lineup. You're not going to get any better than those guys. Right. If So they're going to spend that money to get an equal, but different player. They're going to like, if you're going to tell me, well, they're going to let Devers walk, but they're going to go out and sign Aaron judge. Okay, fine. I guess. I don't think that makes a ton of sense or I don't think that's realistic. I just don't see how they can be in the position they're in right now and claim that they're trying to to win in the immediate future beyond uh, this year. Yeah, I I don't think there's any chance they let, you know, they still have Rafi Devers under control next year, under player uh, control. They can just sign him in arbitration. That's, that's what you're referring to, right? Well, they can and they can't. I mean, you could do that, but you can't let him walk for nothing. That would be the worst thing they could do. Oh, they're just not going to do here. that. I mean, there's no way they would do that. Right. But the thing is, if you just have him play that last arbitration year out, then what? Then he's an unrestricted free agent. Can't well, sign and trade or anything. Correct. But I think money speak. I mean, if you give him a big enough deal, I don't think. Yeah. So um, it, it all it always comes back to this when we do this show. It always comes with like five minutes. And of course, it comes back to this. Well, I mean, so much centers on what they're going to do with Bogart's endeavors, right? It right. does. I mean, just there's no way of getting around that. Yes, he is an arbitration three player in 2023. He doesn't hit free agency until 2024. To my point, if you were to add Luis Castillo to the mix, I think that means uh, or a player of his ilk. That means yep. that you're going to sign uh, Rafi Devers long-term. What's the point? Which is great, which is great. But then you have to know you're going to do that because to get a guy like Castillo, right, you're probably talking about Jeter Downs moving. Well, Jeter Downs uh, Going back to is, Cincinnati, ironically, if that were the case, but go ahead. Was he originally in Cincinnati? I didn't yes. know. I just know they got him from the Dodgers. Okay. Yes. Um, if, if Jeter Downs is to be moved, and I look, I, in theory, I'm not opposed to, you know, that being part of the trade, but 
Jeter Downs is your starting second baseman next year if Bogarts leaves. Trevor Story presumably would move back to right. short. Jeter Correct. Downs takes over at second. So if you make that deal and then you can't get a deal done with Bogarts, now you have nothing at second. Their you know, pipeline's not necessarily deep enough. Maybe Nick York, but he's still probably two or three years right. away. Their pipeline's not necessarily deep enough to say, well, we can trade this prospect and still be covered if this happens, right? If you were to move... Um, I mean, I, I doubt it would take Cassis, but you know, you're, you're moving, you, they don't have that many offensive prospects, forget defensive alignment. If you're just talking about how the, the lineup is structured, if you're going to move a bat, you don't necessarily have that. And you, that you need back in the lineup next year, you don't necessarily have that guy. Then you're costing yourself money. Cause you have to go in frequency and get a guy Correct. who will hopefully work out. I'm, I'm going to, let me just pull up socks prospects here real quick. I did this the other day and I don't have the number off the top of my head in terms of guys who realistically could be ready to play next year. So Marcelo Mayer is currently their second ranked prospect, but he's clearly not going to be not ready. next year, right? right. So or going to be 18. Right. So of their top 10 prospects, they have on SoxProspects.com two bats that realistically could be in the majors next year. And that's Tristan Cassis and, and Jaron Duran's basically in the majors. So if we stretch that a little lower, I mean, you could add Jeter Downs. He's, you know, they don't have that next bat in the minors right now. So if you're going to move one of those guys for a pitcher and then let Devers or Bogarts go, odds are you're leaving a massive, massive hole in your lineup. See, I think pitching like Luis Castillo is a premium and you acquire premium assets first and then fill in the holes around what you had to give up to get that premium asset that's the way i would look at it as a general manager of a top five budget mlb team you're you're not talking about the minnesota twins you're not talking about even the milwaukee brewers teams and smaller markets with not as much capital uh on hand to go out and you know fill those voids that you have to fill because you traded away premium blue chip prospects at those positions right Right, but the Red Sox haven't necessarily been that you're talking about operating like the Dodgers do. Correct. Right, That's, where they I, gave up a couple pro yes, prospects and they went out and they signed Freddie Freeman, whoever. The Red Sox have not shown a willingness to operate that way. I know they have the budget to, but money's only as good as what you spend it on, right? Yep. That's that's where I have paused. It's are they going to like? I don't know who the top free agent second baseman are next year. Um, I did Correa sign a one year deal? Yes, he did with the Minnesota. Right. So, Yes. If you were going to tell me, yeah, they'll deal downs and, and you know, Bogarts is going to leave, but then they'll sign Correa next year. In the middle infield, it'll be Correa and Story. Like, okay, yeah, that would be great. And that is how a team like the Dodgers would handle this situation. I just don't think the Red Sox would do that. I think Correa is an extreme example, but you get my yeah, point. Yeah, I want to bring up uh, Carlos Correa's deal. So, <clears throat> excuse me. He is a free agent in 2025. However, there are opt-outs uh, in 2023 and 2024. That is, um, I believe, the way the contract was designed so that if he wanted to, he could get out and retest uh, the market. So, um, but he is signed technically through 2025, Carlos Correa is, but they are essentially three one-year deals. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, again, that's my point. And I just, here's the list of the top second baseman, Max Muncy, Colton Wong, Gene Segura, Cesar Hernandez, like, uh, or Donovan Solano is also on this list. 
if they're going to go out and, and, and pay for quality there, then it's fine. I just, and I don't know, is Luis Castillo, you called him, what'd you say, a, a, a premium asset? Yes, he would absolutely be a premium asset. I Maybe I'm not as high on him. Maybe it's because I haven't watched, watched him as much. I, is he a, I, I guess he's their ace by default, but like, I think of him as more of like a two, three guy. Mm, it depends on what staff you put him on. If you put him on the Dodgers, yeah, he's probably a two two or a three but his uh, but his stuff uh is ace material at any level and i think any red okay. sox fan that watched him pitch at fenway um back on may 31st would uh agree to that all right i you know that was kind of limited uh limited exposure for me to him i know you're obviously more familiar so i'll i'll defer to you on that one he is Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub. You can follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and much more. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit use our promo code clns50 to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts back with alex barth of 98.5 the sports hub covering all things boston sports follow him on twitter at real alex barth okay alex um you mentioned it uh, on a little while ago actually in the first half of our podcast and that's what happened tuesday night in toronto the red sox down three nothing come back take a five four lead heading into the bottom of the ninth inning, and lo and behold, the Red Sox bullpen blows it again. Uh, this time, though, it's a little bit different. And the scenario is the Red Sox did not have two key ingredients to the game last night on their roster because both Tanner Houck and Jaron Duran did not get vaccinated by their own choice, which is their right. Uh, Red Sox fans, a lot of them anyway, are killing them on Wednesday morning, but they chose uh, because of their free will not to get vaccinated. And uh, because Canada still has restrictions on who can enter the country, if you're not vaccinated, they are not permitted to play. For what it's worth, I think that is totally their discretion. If they choose not to get vaccinated and miss time, then they miss time. So be it. That's their decision. That decision belongs to them and shouldn't be mandated upon them. I'll get off my soapbox now. But because it impacted the game last night, we have to talk about it. And Tanner Houck not being available, I think, impacted the game, actually, believe it or not, more than uh, Jaron Duran not being available. Rob Ref Snyder, of course, had a key home run uh, in the game to tie the game at 4-4. Um, so, you know, you can make the argument here that Jaron Duran wasn't missed, but certainly Tanner Houck was. Yeah, and you know, going forward, I know a lot of people have pointed to a potential playoff matchup in Toronto and Duran's status. But last night it was Tanner Houck. And the other thing is, I think if they're missing Duran, they have some outfield depth. You mentioned Ref Snyder played well last night. They have some outfield depth that can mitigate that. They're not in position to lose Tanner Houck. And, and like you said, the, the law is what it is in Canada. That's uh, I'm not going to debate the legality of it. That's not what we're doing here. But the reality is it's a part of sports when the team's closer is not available for a key game that, and they lose it in the ninth. 
that's a major storyline. If you're talking about the team, you have to talk about it. Here we are. It doesn't matter if he's not available because of injury, if he's suspended, what have you. That's what the case was. And if whether or not, and I'm not going to debate whether or not whether or not Tanner Howard's going to change his mind. I'm not in his head. I saw some people saying the team should put more pressure on him. Xander Bogarts is the captain. Should put more pressure on him. I, whatever. To me, the bigger takeaway from all of that is they're not deep enough in the bullpen. Even if they have Tanner Howard, they might be a pitcher short last night. And on top of that, it's not like Tanner Howard's guaranteed to pitch every game that's not in Toronto. He could get hurt. They're asking him to do a ton. This goes back to my point early in the show. They cannot wait until July 31st to make a move. They just simply don't have enough. I don't want to see. I don't care that's the ninth inning. I don't want to see Hansel Robles in high leverage situations. I don't want to see Tyler Danish in high leverage situations. I don't want to see a lot of these guys in high leverage situations, but they have to put them in there even when they do have Hauk because they don't have enough legitimate major league arms in the bullpen. They need to make a move sooner rather than later. They just simply don't have the depth right now. Last night's kind of an out-of-the-box way of showing it, but I think it really exposed that issue. I think that's a great point, Alex, that, look, it's happened in other sports as well. Uh, the 76ers were, were without a couple of their key players uh, as they uh, went to play the Toronto Raptors north of the border in the playoffs. And that's a playoff situation. You mentioned uh, the, a lot of Red Sox fans are concerned what could happen with the Red Sox if they get into a potential playoff situation in Toronto. They'll have to live with it. They'll just have to deal with it because that's the way life is right now. And you've got to move on. And, you know, it's going to put some of these teams in, you know, a critical situation. It's going to be, I think, put more pressure on teams north of the border that if you uh, want to be competitive and want a competitive uh, advantage, uh, then you're going to have to, you know, take down these laws and give some type of uh, exclusion to professional athletes. Otherwise, athletes are not going to want to play north of the border. That's what I think could wind up happening out of all of this. Well, again, I, I'm i not going to get into the sociopolitical element. Right. No, I, I understand. But unfortunately, we have to talk about it because that it impacted the game last night. People are going to be talking about it. I hate talking about it because, as I've uh, said, and I've been on public record, it's your personal decision. Uh, how you want to treat your body and if these athletes don't want to take the jab then they're not going to play in Canada that's that simple right yeah and I you know yeah that's pretty much where I stand on it it's you know freedom of choice not necessarily freedom of responsibility and that's you know they have every right whether or not they want to take the shot but with that decision comes potential criticism comes you know, maybe pressure from the team that, you know, the feeling you're costing your team, all of that. So the rule is what it is. You have to operate within what the rule is. I, you know, I, I don't, yeah, that's right. That's where I stand on it. All right. Um, in terms of going out and getting additional help for the bullpen, I think, you, you know, what you're looking at if you're high in bloom is you're going to take a look at some of the bottom level feeders, uh, teams like the Reds, the Cubs, um, the Cubs last year, of course, uh, dealt uh, their closer uh, at the uh, deadline to uh, a team in the pennant race. So that could be a, a possibility of that. Craig Kimbrell's who I was trying to think of. They dealt Craig Kimbrell um, at the uh, deadline, uh, but the Cubs don't have anybody like that now. So the Red Sox are going to have to identify teams uh, who are going to be willing to give up um, their closer or set up men 
uh, for blue chip prospects or even not even blue chip prospects, but prospects that could help uh, going down the road in the next couple of years. Sorry, you cut out. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, no. I think what the Red Sox are going to have to do yeah. here, Alex, is they're going to have to deal with uh, teams that are, are going to be wanting to unload um, setup men and closers who are already thinking about 2023. Teams like Cincinnati, Chicago Cubs, the Pittsburgh Pirates, teams that you traditionally think of, even a team like Arizona. Um, they have a couple of very valuable arms at the back end of their bullpen that could be of, of service, certainly. Um, you know, would the Miami Marlins be willing to part with uh, some prospects at the back end of their bullpen? You know, it, it just depends. The Red Sox and Bloom are going to have to figure out uh, which teams right. are going to be wanting to, um, uh, to uh, part with some valuable uh, arms at the end of the bullpen. Well, I would say that's even more reason to go back to my previous point that the Red Sox should act sooner rather than later. You're going to have more options on the table and the price of those guys usually only goes up. You know, it's, the same player might cost you an extra prospect on July 30th than he does on July 10th. So I I think those are kind of the teams the Red Sox need to look at, the Red Sox need to talk to, but there's only a finite number of players that are going to get moved. And do you really want to let the Yankees get the first you know, jab at them? Do you really want to let the Blue Jays get the first jab at them? The Astros, all these guys are, do you want to get your pick and do you want to have to not pay as much? We've seen this kind of over the last couple of years where teams, I think there's, there's more, there, there, teams are more willing to not wait until the deadline. Teams are more willing to make right. their moves throughout July, maybe even in, in late June. And I, I love that. I love that because I don't want to say it's an arbitrary date. Obviously it's the trade deadline, but if you think you need the help waiting till that point doesn't really mean anything. Right. Right. You know, the player you're going to acquire could help you win more games if you get them sooner. So, and, and, you know, less players have been moved except who was that guy a couple of years ago. I forget the, I think it was the Braves traded for a pitcher in like late June. And then they went like five and 15 and then they traded him away again at the deadline. So they bought in late June kind of went through a rough stretch and then sold. I can't remember who it was. I it was, don't know. I think it was the year before the pandemic, but uh, yeah, I, the, the Red Sox should be should be buying sooner rather than later. And, and what you just said, I would say ties into that. Okay, uh, the Red Sox had a great weekend, obviously in Cleveland, swept the Guardians, uh, but obviously stumbled in a place that they have stumbled a lot this year. And I'm not just talking Toronto. Inside the AL East. What did we say last week on this podcast, Alex, that the Red Sox needed to improve? They needed to improve at Fenway and they need to improve inside the AL East. They are now seven and 16, having lost the first two games at Rogers Center against the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, that they've got to find a way to start winning games in the AL East or everything we're talking about is going to be completely moot. I'm a broken record at this point, but it's true. These next seven series, six in the division. This is the season right here. It's between, I think it's like a little less than a month stretch. It's about 22, 23 game stretch. This is the whole season. If you don't come out of this, you know, they've already lost two games. They've already lost one series. My number, I, again, I think it's 22 games. Right. You got to win like at least 14, 15 of those. And that's net. Now you're asking for a ton. Now you're asking for multiple sweeps. But that's the only thing they can do. They can't even go 500 through this stretch because then, you know, the other, you know, they're, they're going to get pushed further back, right? Because other teams will have more success elsewhere. If they this is go, the entire, 
if they play 500, they're clearly playing for the wild card because it's there. Not they, I just don't think they're, this is not like 1978 or the reverse of that, where the Red Sox can come from 14 games back and catch the division leader. That's not going to happen. They are. I well, look, the Red I, Sox and the Yankees have the same record since, or had, going into this Toronto series had the same record since right. May 20th. What I would say to that, I think it's 12 and a half games right now is the gap. It's 12 and a half or 13 games. The Red Sox have 16 head-to-head against the Yankees. It's not likely they win it, but they're not out of it. But again, they've got to go on a roll down the stretch. I'll give you one other number, too, why I think they're not totally out of it if they make the right moves at the deadline. The Red Sox have blown 15 saves this year. That's the second most in baseball, but in seven fewer chances than the team ahead of them. So they... They've been the worst at finishing save opportunities this year. If you flip, and I'll be generous here with 15, and I'll, let's round that down to 14 and flip half of them. If you flip seven of those games, the Red Sox are only six back of the Yankees. The pieces are all there. Now, am I confident in the team to put them together? Eh, let's see if they make some trades first. But the pieces are all there. I think the Red Sox and Yankees are closer in terms of talent the 12 the 12 game lead in late june suggests but the red sox have to start tapping into their talent maximizing on their talent which they haven't been able to do consistently this season he is alex barth he does a great job covering all things boston sports for 98.5 the sports hub and 98.5 the sports hub.com be sure to Click on that link, click on that website, and check out Alex's stuff. Also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag, where the game starts. For Alex Barth, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching. Red Sox Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network.